Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you are the God who holds on to us. As we come to this portion of our service, we trust that even now you are holding on to us. Our hearts and our minds, our very selves, and that you are the great teacher, and that you are present, and you are the one who works inside of us to make us more like your Son. So may the words of my mouth and the reflections of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, for you are our God, our strength, our rock, and you are the one who redeems us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Something you already know. Advertisers choose words with intention. They look for how they can uh, capture different parts of who we are. They use words that will help make us feel special, will inspire action. They'll use words that, that will tickle our interests, like how to save money. They use words that generate excitement and engage our emotions. There's a, a certain subset of these special words that I think are intended for those of us with maybe a, a little bit more adrenaline flowing in our bodies. It's words like extreme, radical, hardcore. In fact, I was looking up that last one, and it seems to be an adjective that groups like to attach to things that, that are more intense. And so you can have uh, hardcore stuff like uh, music, different kind of genres of music. You, you'll have one style, but if you really want to go deep into that style, you'll call it hardcore. So there's hardcore punk. There's punk, but if you really want it, go hardcore punk. Or there's hardcore hip-hop, hardcore digital, hardcore EDM, uh, electronic dance music. What I found so interesting about, and some of you are going, what is EDM? It's that, 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 that beat that just drives, 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 drives. Mm -mm, you know, that kind of. So they actually have subsections that are hardcore as well. There's hardcore early. EDM, that makes sense. It was probably the first kind of hardcore EDM that came out. There's hardcore happy. Woohoo! There's hardcore mainstream. I don't know what that is. How would you be hardcore and mainstream at the same time? You know, even in gaming, there's the hardcore, hardcore mode. That's where your character does not get revived when it's killed off. You're just done. You go out on edge. Hardcore gaming. You can try this at home. You can try it around dinner time. You can start, you have to kind of change your voice when you begin to speak of it. Tonight we're going to have hardcore spaghetti and meatballs. Big meatballs, lots of sauce. Hardcore. Little hardcore side salad. Hardcore dessert. Or maybe not. The word hardcore means dedicated. It refers to being all in. To being completely faithful. Today, we're going to talk about hardcore Christianity, hardcore Christianity. This is Christianity for the dedicated, for the all-in, for the completely faithful. Maybe you've already picked up on an issue. 
Because isn't that just Christianity? Isn't Christianity by definition hardcore? Isn't all of Christianity for the dedicated, the the committed, the all-in? Well, at least that's biblical Christianity. That's what we're going to talk about. So, we're currently in this series, This Is Us. And what we're doing over these uh, five Sundays is we're looking at some statements that we made some time ago, and they were statements when we set aside time, set aside attention, we said, this is who we are, that we have our why, we have our defining habits, our defining values, and we know what work is before us. You hear us talk all the time about our, uh, our decision on how we move forward. We move in, up, and out. We move in by building friendships that manifest the love of Christ. We move up by trusting God will transform us as we learn and live His Word, and that we move out by serving our neighbors with genuine Christ-like, agape love type of care. So today, we happen to be in the second habit, the second defining habit, which is faithful to Christ. Faithful to Christ. Before we put our text up on the screen, just a few words about it as a way of introduction. This text is going to come to us from the third chapter that's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. So it's going to be from Matthew chapter 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, the author of Matthew, has, has taken a number of Jesus' teachings and, and have, has um, put them together and, and, and helped to arrange them in such that that we would understand the very heart of Christ and that, that we would take his actual teachings and, and learn from them. There's an interesting thing that takes place um, after verse 12 in chapter 7. You see, the Sermon on the Mount begins in chapter 5, and it's a very lovely, gentle, soft, wonderful beginning. It's the blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek. And, and Jesus speaking, listen, I, I come with a way that's so different than the way of this world. I, I turn it upside down. In the kingdom of God, here are the ones who are blessed. And then he gives these intense teachings along the way, and we come to chapter 7, verse 12, and we receive the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. At least that's the way I learned it growing, growing up. And then there's a switch. Beginning in our little passage, going through to the end, Jesus provides a series of, there's two ways to go. It comes to us like a warning. Here's all the teaching that he provided in this sermon, and here's the warning that there's two paths. You need, you need to be mindful of this. And it comes across a bit more like a warning. So, with this in mind, let's go ahead and read our passage. It is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. We encourage those of you that are participating in worship at home, go ahead and make sure you have your Bible with you as well. And we have Bibles in the rows if you want to use those. So from Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, hear the word of God. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. May God bless the reading of His Word and may God bless our time together as well. 
So here's our plan. We're going to look at four questions, and then we're going to look at some application. Four questions and then some application. Here's the first question. What? What? Maybe you're asking this question. Maybe you're asking, well, aren't all churches faithful in Christ? Why would we choose that as our, one of our defining uh, habits, faithful to Christ? Why would we choose that as one of our defining values? When um, uh, I was in a position of uh, moving some stuff a long time ago, uh, we rented a U-Haul truck. And, the, and I may have told this story before, but we rented a U-Haul truck. And, and the place that we rented our U-Haul truck from, it was a place that wanted to put a governor on uh, the engine so you could only go so fast so here we are we took all of our time to load the truck up and then we're going down the freeway and and everybody else is going whatever speed they want and we can't go any faster than 55 miles an hour not even 56 and they regulated the speed for us and it would hold us back well in some ways uh, churches and individual Christians can be very much like that. Only it's not somebody else putting a regulator on us. It's us choosing to put a governor to restrict ourselves from various levels of faithfulness. You see, there's this pattern. Maybe you've noticed it in your own life. Maybe you've seen it around you to where maybe the governor we have, the, the regulator we adopt is our comfort zone. And as long as we can stay within our comfort zone, we're okay. But if, if the church begins to push us outside our comfort zone, we push back. In fact, we could have a collective way that if one or two start to act out a level of faithfulness we're not comfortable with, we'll have patterns in our midst that will call people back into the fold. We'll say, that, that's just not us like what you, but that's, we're not going to go that way. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life where you've put a regulator on. You, you've heard a teaching before and, and you go, that sounds, I know it's in the Bible and, and I know that Jesus wants us to do that, but it just doesn't fit my model of what life should look like. And so we put a regulator on it. Northminster has had a pattern however, of going past certain regulators that it had before. There have been times in this congregation where, and I've observed it as well, but even well before I ever arrived, where this congregation said, well, if Jesus said it, let's do it. And they've taken those steps of faith and faithfulness. If Jesus said it, let's do it. And so we have this habit, this value of faithful to Christ. It's following Jesus without a governor. In the rest of our time together this morning, we're going to go deep into what that pattern might look like using our text. So maybe the next question can be contradiction? Isn't there a contradiction here? Maybe you're already picking up on some of the other teachings Jesus, is, Jesus provided. For instance, this comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, and Jesus is teaching there in verses 28 through 30, a text we've read many times in this room. Jesus said, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Compare that. Compare that just with that in mind. Hear again the words from our text. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Is there a contradiction? Well, if we pay attention to the nouns that Jesus uses, we can find out what he's getting at with these two passages. In verse 30 of Matthew 11, Jesus says, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What Jesus paints for us in the Gospels is that Jesus does the heavy lifting. The Apostle Paul will go on to help with this teaching as well, that, that the, Jesus does the heavy lifting. It's not that Jesus came into this world and, and crafted a whole religion and just laid the religion on the shoulders of His followers. Jesus came into this world instead to pay the price we could not pay on our own and still live. That Jesus came in and He took the death that was due us and He set us free. He conquered death on our behalf that we would have life forevermore. The yoke is easy. The burden is light. Other religions in this world and even the secular reality takes the burden of trying to live up, trying to perform, trying to outdo, trying to measure up, and they put the burden on others. Jesus goes, let me take all that burden. Let me pay the price. Let me die for you. I'll be raised from the dead and give you life. He takes that burden for us. What Jesus gives is he gives a God-centered faith rather than a law-centered faith. Oh, he has commands. He has things for us to follow, but we don't have to earn anything. He paid the price for us. We get to be faithful in response to the work he's done, to the heavy lifting he's accomplished. Jesus gives us a relationship-centered faith, not a requirement-centered faith. Then when we turn our attention to our passage and we look in verse 14 of chapter 7, we find he says that the gate is narrow and the way is hard. So the yoke might be easy and the burden might be light, but the gate is narrow. There is but one way to the Father. In John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That gate is narrow. It is through the cross of Christ. There's not a thousand different gates or all these roads that lead up to the mountain. There's one road that led down the mountain, and it was the one Jesus took toward us, becoming the gate, the doorway for all who would believe in him. But the way is hard. Entry is small and the path is difficult. We know the path is difficult because to follow Christ is to stand in opposition of the world and its kingdom. 
that to be a follower of Christ, we embrace the kingdom of God, which is very different than the kingdom of this world. And that conflict, that, that challenge, creates difficulty for us in our faithfulness. Jesus made the open invitation in his words in chapter 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. It's an open invitation. In our passage, in chapter 7, he describes it in those who find it are few. The, the invitation is open to everyone, but, but those willing to believe it, to respond to the goodness of God, are not many. All right, so we discover there is no contradiction. Burden for Jesus, the burden is light. It's just the way is hard, and no contradiction there. So let's ask the question, how hard? How hard is the way? I may have mentioned this before a number of years back uh, with one of my sons. Uh, we, we climbed in two different years. We climbed a, 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 a two different 14ers. And one thing I noticed that even with all the training that I did, and maybe I could have done more training, but with all the training I, di I, I did, that it's happened the same thing on both climbs. So these are mountains that are over 14,000 feet. And, and uh, that when I hit 13,000 feet, I run out of gas. It's just... <gasps> You know, John's running backwards and forwards and doing circles around me, and, and I'm just chugging along. And, and even though I peaked out on both of the climbs, it, it was still, it was hard from 13,000 feet. It's hard to explain. It, it's hard to describe how hard that became for me. Unless, in fact, unless we walk that trail, we might not understand just how hard it is. And so, let me describe. Let's jump into three things that are particularly hard about Christianity. Three things, three hard things that are attached to being faithful to Christ. First is hard choices. Hard choices. We've already talked about one hard choice. It's the choosing of Jesus. Yes, Jesus chooses us. God, pre He moves towards us, but then we every day are called to make a choice many times in a given day to choose Jesus. We might have emotions going one direction. We might have priorities going another direction. There can be people around us wanting us to go their direction, and we're called to make a choice for Jesus at every moment. And to say no to other choices, maybe we're coming home from work and, and, and we have this uh, conversation with somebody uh, with whom we share our house, maybe a spouse or a child or a parent or whoever, a friend, whatever it might be, and we go in and, and that conversation, and we want to choose our self-righteousness. We want to choose our anger. And we're called in that moment to choose Jesus. Jesus even said that, listen, unless you hate your father and mother and brother and sister, in other words, that we're to choose Jesus so much that when we look at our relationships with anybody else, that it looks like hatred in comparison. Jesus is number one at all times. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. He said, obey, teach people to obey everything I've commanded. That's a choice. Choosing in the moment can be difficult. 
You know, we can come here and worship, and we can like songs or not like songs, or we can come in and like a sermon or not like a sermon, but this is fairly easy to do. But faithfulness to Christ is at every moment consideration, a hard choice. Then there are hard tasks. Hard choices, hard tasks. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. Here's the task I give you. Love one another. Love one another. Not just the emotion, but do good things for each other. In fact, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. That's hard. We're called to forgive. We even pray it, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Be merciful as God is merciful. Here's a task, Jesus says. Here's what I want you to do. Forgive. We're called uh, to live out the task of letting our light shine in this world, which, by the way, will mean that we'll be telling other people about Jesus even when they might not want to hear about Him. And then in Luke's gospel, we know that He calls us to take up our cross daily, to deny ourselves. That's hard work. And then Jesus will even say in, 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 his, in the gospels, He'll say, and this is truly hard for those who are wealthy. What's impossible with man is possible with God. But He says it's difficult. Hard choices, hard tasks, hard consequences. When Jesus makes that statement, if you want to be the greatest, be the least. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, be the least. To be the least in this world means other people will not understand and there will be some who will walk all over you or me. When we choose to be the least, to be one who serves the unempowered, the disempowered, other people can take advantage of that. It's a hard consequence. Jesus even made the statement, listen, they hated me, and if you follow me, they're going to hate you too. It's a hard consequence. Is Christianity hard? Absolutely. Is being faithful to Christ, does that come with difficulty? You bet it does. So let's ask the question, hope? Is there hope? Given how hard this is, come on, you have some kind of good word for us. So we can say this, it is hard, but it's hard with presence. Presence, not with the T, um, the presence of God, the, that God is present with us. That being Christian, being faithful to Christ is hard and difficult, but Jesus says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. We're told in Scripture that God gives His Spirit, that, that God is with us at all times. The Spirit of the living God living inside of us, living amongst us. We have fellowship with the eternal, the indwelling of God with us. It's hard, but with presence. It's hard, but with purpose. It's not like it's just hard for hard sake. It's not difficult for difficult sake. It's hard but it comes with purpose for us, that we get to be part of the mission of God in this, in this world, the missio Dei. God wants His name to be known throughout all lands, throughout all people groups, and He calls us into that work. He wants His righteousness to be known, His justice to be known. He says He calls us into that work with Him. It's hard, it's difficult, but it comes with purpose. We have the purpose of worshiping the living God, 
we have the purpose of being transformed, that God is working to take us from one degree of glory to another. It's hard, but with presence. It's hard, but with purpose. It's hard, but with promise. Jesus promises to return, to make all things new. Jesus, He gives us redemption, but He promises the fulfillment, the, the full blossoming of that redemption, that, that, that being uh, made new before God and, and living into all of what He has for us. He gives us the promise of eternity. Hard. Hard, but with presence. Hard, but with purpose. Hard, but with promise. So let's jump to our application. Having answered those four questions, let's see what we can apply from here. And the first is this. I would encourage us, let us welcome conviction in order to be faithful to Christ, we need to be open to God convicting us, to Christ convicting us, to the Spirit of God convicting our hearts. In order to do this, we need to keep proclaiming the good news to each other. I need you to proclaim to me. I need you to teach me what you're learning. We need to study Scripture. We need to get underneath. We need to know what He's teaching us. We don't just look at the masses. We already find out, found out what happens to the masses. We want to keep learning from Scripture. God, what would you have for us to be faithful in today? That we would learn and live God's Word, trusting that He'll transform us. We want to look. In order to, to be convicted, we want to look around, and if we find that there isn't much distinction between who we are and everybody else, and Jesus said, wide is the gate. And broad is the path that, that others will be going on. That's the easy way. But the way to life, that way is destruction. The way to life is a narrow gate and a hard way. If we look around and we find ourselves looking like everybody else, maybe that's how God will convict our hearts. Finally, with conviction, we have to be willing to submit. If we welcome conviction, there's that openness God, convict my heart, and I will respond with submission. The second application would be this, step out in confidence. Step out in confidence. There's a tool, a, a model I've, I've used before. It's been some time since I, I've, I've put it into use, but I think others have used it as well. It's using the terms scout, pioneer, settler, and townsfolk. Scout, pioneer, settlers, and townsfolk. You know, if we're going to step out, we need scouts. Maybe you're already a scout in some area of faithfulness. You scouts go where other people don't go. They look into places where there are no paths yet set. They have this, this courage about them to go where it might be uncomfortable to other people, but they go and maybe you're a scout in the area of prayer, or maybe you're a scout in the area of forgiveness, maybe you're a scout in the area of, uh, of evangelism. Praise God that you're stepping out before everyone else. As you step out, maybe you might put a hand back for the pioneer. The pioneer is, is willing to go before all the roads are laid out, before it becomes mainstream. They're willing to go with you if you'll simply grab their hand 
and show them the way. Of course, if you're a pioneer and you're that kind of person, hey, if somebody goes first, I'll be right want. I'll go with you. I'm so excited to go with you. If you're a pioneer, maybe you have a, a thought, a mindset for the settler, the person who's willing to go, but it needs to be just that much easier. If you could, can, could, could you tell me the stories and tell me the adventures you had and tell me how good the land was? And then the settler will come along. Unfortunately, there will always be some townsfolk. And they never leave. They like their comforts too much. And maybe there's a bit of town folk in every single one of us in some aspect of our faith, and we just kind of like residing there. I, well, I'm not that kind of Christian. If Jesus said it, let's do it. Let's step out in confidence. Scouts, we need you. Pioneers, we need you. Settlers, let's go. And may God allow it to be that none of us would simply be comfortable in, to remain in the town. The third thing would be to trust in God. So the first one is welcome conviction. The second is step out in confidence. The third is trust in God. But that's what we're talking about next week, so we'll save all that. We'll ask one final question. Too hardcore? Is this too hardcore? In other words, is being faithful to Christ too hardcore? Here's what Jesus says. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. If Jesus said it, Northminster, let's do it. If Jesus said it, Bob, let's do it. Let's yearn for, pursue hard, actively commit ourselves, go all hardcore for nothing less than the full gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, His way, not our way, His path, not our paths, His level of love and mercy and justice and righteousness. Let's go full out for the only kind of Christianity Jesus initiated and taught. Let's continue to welcome his conviction and step forward with all confidence in him and be a church faithful to Christ no matter how hard we might find it to be. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the God who sent your son into this world and that you desire for us a life full of you and full of your kingdom, aligned fully with your kingdom. God, whatever tendency that exists in us that just want to keep everything, keep everything safe and comfortable and fashioned like everybody else, would you convict us? Would you move in our midst that we would have confidence in you? Would you raise up scouts in our midst to lead the way? Would you create a pioneering spirit faith inside of us, that, that we would be willing to leave that comfort zone. Would you allow all of us to step forward together and settle in the land that you have for us, the good land, the land where we shine your goodness out into the world, where we would choose to be light to those who are lost.
where we would live by faith in the God who loves us. We give you praise, God. We give you praise for the gift of your spirit and the gift of your son. Might you find in us a passion for being faithful to Christ in all things at all times. We pray this in Christ's name. Together, God's people say, amen.